What's up, man? How are you? You see how I talked to you after I brought you into the space this time? Um, Did you catch that? I think you talked during because it muted me for about... All I heard was, happy Friday! <laughs> like it was bringing Oh, Jenko. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm trying. How are you, man? I'm good. How are you? Welcome, everybody. What is well? The, the conversation of the day has turned. Like these things blow right up quickly. Yeah, man. Yeah, there is some um, stuff in the news feed about Ginsler and the SEC and staking and centralized platforms, and um, it's definitely a, a conversation worth having, Jenko, because it does impact what innovation will continue to look like in this country when it comes to crypto. And the big concern, of course, being that this continued regulation by enforcement, which causes most people who are targeted by this sort of enforcement action to settle, um, it could potentially drive innovation overseas. Yeah, there's a lot of potential outcomes. I was I, I joined a minute late. I'm not sure if you did your intro or we should just jump in if you're ready. I'm going to do the intro okay. and then we'll jump into the conversation. So welcome everyone to Lex Lime brought to you with our friends at Rug Radio, hosted by yours truly, Carlo and Jenko, where we talk about new and emerging legal developments in crypto, blockchain and NFT law. Nothing we talk about should be considered legal or financial advice. If you have a specific legal question, consult a lawyer. Do it confidentially, not on a recorded Twitter space, because we record these spaces. And if you come up to speak, just know we will rebroadcast you. Welcome to everyone who's in the house. If you wouldn't mind retweeting, we're going to talk today about what's going on with the SEC settlement with Kraken and the broader implications for staking on centralized platforms. Jenko, it's fascinating, and it's certainly um, not surprising, but Everyone's trying to figure out now who's the next one that's going to get hit with this similar sort of an enforcement action because I pinned uh, an interview that uh, Mr. Ginsler gave and he basically laid it out there that everybody's runway to get in compliance is running out and they better come in and register. Although I also hear the counter argument to that is nobody can figure out how to freaking register a crypto well, marketplace. What does that do? I mean, after a sale... There's a say is 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 he offering a safe harbor for those who've already made a primary sale? I I didn't. Hear no, that. as a matter of fact, Jenko, one of the lawyers who was interviewed in that piece, I believe, said that he he doesn't advise people to do this because it could inadvertently expose you to an enforcement action, and because yeah. there's no clear path to doing this. It's almost like a it's almost a setup to fail because he keeps talking about come in, come in, talk to us, register, but yet, and I've never tried to register anything with them, so I can't speak personally. But what I hear from a lot of lawyers in the space is that there really is no way to do this. And you're basically, because of their stance on crypto and the majority of tokens being an investment contract, you're basically engaging in a foregone conclusion that you will not be registered. 
and you're exposing your client to potential enforcement action. So how do you balance that and practice in this space? It's crazy. Yeah, that's interesting. I, um, I, it's difficult for me to gauge the scope of all of this. Like what's the timing on the interactions with Kraken? Did What was public and for how long? Because what was announced really was a settlement. Um, and do we know the contents of like the details around the settlement and what was found and what was alleged? Like, is there a statement when a criminal defendant kind of goes to a settlement, don't they need to like stand and like, what's that called, Carlo, when they like explain to the judge the crimes they did, they, they have to admit on the record X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Well, a lot of these, a lot of these, well, a lot of these settlements usually are structured in a way that there's no admission of fault. There's a payment of a fine and then there is an agreed uh, penalty. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to share an agreed structure moving forward. Yes. I'm going to share, this is from LinkedIn, but I shared it last night because this attorney that I I follow on LinkedIn, uh, Tamara De Silva, did a wonderful LinkedIn kind of explaining how these staking mechanisms work and her interpretation of what this Kraken settlement uh, basically was. So I think it's a good read for anyone out there who wants a breakdown to better understand how these platforms profit from staking. And what it seems to be in this one is it seems to be the representations that they were making about the rewards is what got them in the crosshairs of the SCC, as I understand it. I I mean, a lot of folks like to say, oh, the government doesn't know what they're doing, et cetera, and, and, and they're behind and they're slow. A lot of criticisms, but I really do, and I mentioned it yesterday, and I talked to some other um, tech folks and lawyers last night, I really see a difference between or among staking. And there's a variety of types of staking out there in the marketplace right now. And if you really have a keen understanding of staking um, to support the network, it was being explained to me yesterday where if Kraken was offering guaranteed yield or returns or interest that's not really how the, the rewards to the staking go it kind of depends it's it's it fluctuates and depends on the use of the network and the fees and a whole structure on the, the ethereum network right if you're true yeah, because as, as i understand it tell me if i'm understanding this correctly <clears throat> but when these centralized platforms allow you to stake cryptocurrencies they're locking up the crypto to enable the proof of stake miners to have working capital to That's execute fine. the Even transactions. They, so they're standing between the, the, the owner of the ETH and the staking mechanism. That's fair. Right. But if they are profiting from it and or guaranteeing a return that's not congruent with the return of the staking... I think it isn't there's, because exactly it can't be because if anything consistent that you're promising is not possible through the staking rewards, right? Because the so way the if rewards it's not work, congruent, I, think I understand there's something that. there. Tell me but if I'm ahead. right on this. As I understand it, 
in exchange for locking up the crypto, the proof of stake miners have that available to to uh, to use to to support transactions. They pay the platform then for having staked that currency, and then out of that return that the platform gets, they give a percentage back to the uh, to the private consumer who staked their ETH. So they're kind of an intermediary who's getting the reward for the staking and then giving a portion of that reward back to the person who staked it. And what bothers Ginsler and the SEC about it, as, as far as I can see, is that these are not regulated. So if there's a bankruptcy like FTX, where now you have staked money in Celsius and Celsius is saying, no, that's not the customers, that's our money, you have no way to recover. And that's the consumer protection side that I think he's harping on, that these are, these are, these are centralized but unregulated investments that you as the consumer have no protection for in the event of a failure. I don't disagree. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if your articulation is spot on in this case. You've done more research than me, so I, I defer to you I, if you were legitimately asking me the way you phrased it. But I, I don't I some of the criticism could be seen reasonably as overreaching because if they're it's almost as though they are being surgical in who they've brought to this um, depth of an enforcement action to, to, to the, to a resolution. If they are talking about an intermediary who's promising something that's not congruent to what the actual yield of the staking would be. I just think that that's fair. That's ripe for adjudication. I I think reasonable minds can be on both sides of that. It, It was earlier explained to me differently. I, I mean, if I want to stake, I'm going to stake it directly. I don't, I don't know why there's a crack in there. So I've kind of just never learned enough about that. To, to, because to you're taking the other approach to staking, which is you're staking directly through the smart contract. So you're staking directly with the, the cryptocurrency through their smart contract as Whenever opposed to I've going through this. Sort of, sort of staking, it's been, yeah, like, like on Polygon's direct interface. Um, as so if you do it that way, property in between. If you do it that way, is that an investment contract? And that I and that's why that gets to my point. I believe the enforcement against those that sh- look and talk like Kraken <laughs> is possibly not indicative or telling. It, it can be differentiated from you know, network, you know, direct primary staking to support a network in my head. And it's almost as though that that's the enforcement can be seen as consistent with that take. Well, this is this is a direct quote from Coindesk. Uh, They they provided uh, excerpts from Gensler's interview yesterday. I believe he interviewed with um, NBC Squawk Box. Quote, if somebody's taking their tokens and transferring it to that platform, the platform controls it. And guess what happens if they go bankrupt? You stand in line at the bankruptcy court, Ginsler said, taking aim at a string of bankruptcy cases in progress, including that of crypto lender Celsius. So he's basically saying that when you go through these 
intermediary platforms to stake, they are holding your crypto. And if they go belly up, you have no way of, or potentially you are now a unsecured creditor and unable to recover your staked tokens. That's his. That's his take. That's what he said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know how that, whether or not that's true or how true it is, I don't know how that's a direct line to an SEC enforcement and maybe not a state attorney's general or something like that. Because I still see maybe an SEC agency as more nar- narrowly tailored in its mandate than just. So he pointed out something that is an issue. Um, I still don't see a direct line, whether that's the SEC's, if there's an investment contract or, or, or you know what I mean? Well, yeah, that's the devil in the details. Um, do they have a congressional mandate under their executive power? to go in and enforce these things because Coinbase takes the stance that we don't list securities. (laughs) So no one seems to want to confront that broader question. And of course, we know there was rumor yesterday, there was uh, speculation from sources and even Brian Armstrong, the CEO of Coinbase, sort of corroborated that there is this rumor mill circulating that... um, Staking on these platforms is in the SEC's line of sight. And, you know, even Gensler closes his remarks on this thing by saying, quote, it's time for this group to do so. The runway is getting awfully short and we're here to try to protect the investing public, end quote. So if they go after something like Coinbase and Coinbase's response is, wait a minute, you can't shut down the staking of these crypto tokens because this is not an investment contract. And Kraken didn't do that because Kraken, for whatever reason, and that's probably their internal determination, they elected to settle and pay this $30 million and just shut their down. Their external determination, I think the CEO like tweeted why, like Fubar asked, why didn't they fight? And oh, I didn't know that. He, he responded. He said, like, it's just bad business or it would be too expensive, but I hope someone does. Well, that circles back to my original point that if this is the pattern, if this is how these are going to get resolved, even massive platforms like Kraken are folding and settling because it's in their best interest. And I get that. They have to make a decision that's best for, for the company. This now could potentially be a bad thing for the overall development and growth of this technology in the United States, because it's, it's, it's within the realm of possibility that these platforms will look to take these things overseas to avoid having to pay and to shut down. Yeah. But what, what technology is being, if they're surgical, and saying these intermediaries charging folks and, and being giving misdirection around their disclosures will face enforcement, but you can still stake ETH. I, I feel like if they're being surgical, I don't know if there's this brain drain that everyone talks about. If they're not being surgical, if they're being overly broad and they just start st- saying that staking and DeFi... And just all sorts of things just are 
not permitted, then I see that. But I don't know. I don't, I, I've heard that and I've tried to parse it. I'm not sure. How Here's my thought. It is. Here's my thought. I think the problem is for the average consumer who doesn't understand how to stake directly to the smart contract, this creates an impediment. But because, that's good because these are where all the nonsense has happened in the last four, five years that we've seen, right? Are these platform intermediaries that are just brokering things that they're just taking up oxygen and they're just middlemen. So yeah, if they become get extinct, that might not be a bad thing. It may in the short term inhibit growth or user volume but in the long run i think the pure tech is will win i think this could be part of the evolution but i i I can't i'm being optimistic about their enforcement and where they're going next i don't i really could you see a scenario where they could enforce the staking direct to contract out of existence if you do that, then the network's not supported by anyone in the U.S., I guess. Then you, you, there's either no ETH or they, everything's abroad. So, yeah, then there's an absolute brain drain. I think everything's on the table. I think. I guess that would take a legislative mandate, though. You couldn't do that under current regulatory schemes. I don't because, see why not. But go well, ahead, yeah, why? Maybe not. Maybe, yeah, maybe I'm assuming, maybe I'm, I'm making an invalid assumption here. Could they? Could they take under the existing regulatory enforcement scheme that they have, could they regulate consumers staking directly to smart contracts out of existence? I think absolutely. And then it can be challenged and then adjudicated. And then because I guess to do that, okay, I guess to do that, take your example, let's say Polygon. I guess they'd have to file an enforcement action against Polygon and shut down Polygon's ability to allow consumers to stake. Maybe not. Maybe they just put your name on a list like they did with Tornado Cash. Like there's a thousand different ways for the for the, they didn't shut down Tornado Cash. You just said if you use it, you're now on a no fly list or whatever. Like so, so can we have a world under the current regime without like Congress acting? I think that they can be pretty aggressive and creative if they wanted to and if they were organized and incentivized to. But I think that there are lanes to challenge and kind of curb that pendulum swing. But I, I, yeah, everything is on the table when it, there's, I don't think we're, we're, we're old. And I, I think it's still early enough where like nothing is set in stone. Nothing's like, Oh, this is a fundamental part of this industry that we need to keep. And it then circles back to the same problem. It's going to require someone to want to stand up and take on that fight as opposed to settling. And we know that few cases actually make it to the judicial branch for any dispositive determination because the vast majority settle. No doubt. And it takes resources, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if you become and business to business is really the play when early industries are kind of emerging so i would i i would say not just the brain drain that you talked about but companies will stop trying to be consumer facing or trying to be accessible and really just build infrastructure for each other and then um 
there will be has and have nots to well you can look at that you can look at it now because now this explains why the yuga labs apecoin venture decided not to allow staking in the united states because it seems like maybe their lawyers might have seen this as a possibility and rather than risk it they they just didn't allow it I, I can't get into their heads. They're 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 playing with a whole. They're juggling a lot, a lot, a lot of variables. I I don't like to distill a strategy down to like one uh, consideration. But the way I talked about it the other day, like you can stake a cartoon wolf, and it's just part of a game, and you're not supporting anything. There's no technical reason to do it. It's just kind of a market play, and you're given rewards to make that market play. I think that's in a wildly different category of staking as the network support that we talked about with, with, with or dealing with Polygon and some others. And that can be in a different category, a third category than like an intermediary where Kraken is kind of paying a predictable year, yield based on its loaning of your ETH or whatever mechanism you described. Um, so, but, but yeah, I, I could, I could see, if they did allow it and the projects that do like what their best theory is, et cetera. But um, I don't doubt that that was a strong consideration. Yeah. It seems to suggest that maybe that was, um, that was front of, of mind because you're right. You do have a lot of NFT projects that are not necessarily following the, the staking to support the network approach. They're, they're following the, lock up your NFT so we can limit the number that are on the market for sale, which could potentially impact the floor price. Yeah, so we scarcity. have metrics to talk about the value of the asset. Like and, then in exchange for, listed, and then in exchange for locking it up, we're going to give you a uh, hundred magic tokens a day, which are in, in ecosystem utility tokens that are being used and deployed for whatever they're going to spin up, like Wolf Game or whatever the, the iteration is. But it's the lockup mechanism that triggers the staking component. It's locking up the NFT because you can't trade the NFT if it's staking. Well, some you can. Like that, that's, that, that ability is also kind of it exists. exists. Like, you, yeah, you can trade like staked sushi token and and stuff like that but but i don't know if the locking is a very how relevant that is in the analysis when really it's you're purchasing the underlying wolf or ape or nft because the plan is to stake it whether it's locked up or tradable or whatever and get paid to do so so that's kind of like the Howie one through four, right? So I think it's in the underlying. It's not necessarily contained to just like getting the rewards. It's like making that first purchase. So if you bought it with the understanding that you had the option to stake it, and if you stake it, you're going to get rewarded for staking it by earning a utility token, which... Um, you can then take into secondary market if there's a liquidity for it. 
That's you, my you, argument. If I'm yeah, on that yeah, side. Yeah. If I'm on that side. What do you think? Ira's back. Ira, I promise if you come up to speak today, I I I, oh, I promise rug. Elon's not gonna completely shut us down. That was <laughs> I'm so sorry that happened rug. to you. Man, Ira, it was an epic rug because I was listening to you and then it was the entire so intently. <laughs> Yeah, the entire space just went off my screen. It just completely disappeared and I was back to the regular Twitter UI interface as if it just got taken down. It was crazy. I think it was down for a while. Like all spaces were down. It was it was down for a while. And it was just like right at the apex of his story. But thanks for the kind words, Ira, for that PFP. I don't yeah, know, Carlo. Absolutely. I think you can argue every which angle of this. But um, it is unfortunate that it's so cloudy. It is. And, you know, it triggered a little bit of a market downturn. Um. Crypto's down because of it, and I don't know what the broader implications of this is, but I guess we'll all just kind of stay tuned. Um, I don't know what to read into the runways getting shorter. Uh, Mr. Ginsler's quote from yesterday, the runway's getting shorter as far as time to come in and and uh, register these staking platforms. I don't know what that looks like, but I guess uh, we'll soon find out if if if. One of these platforms is, I guess, willing to concede that they are staking investment contracts. Because if they're not willing to admit that they're staking investment contracts, then I guess it's a non-starter. Because that's Coinbase's position seems to be. We don't, we don't host smart contracts. Very interesting. Well, Brian Armstrong, you know... Uh, Brian Armstrong would be the the person who I think would would you know potentially consider taking on this fight because he's been very vocal um, and he doesn't seem to uh, he doesn't seem to at least in his in his public facing tweets appear to be backing down to any of this so it'd be interesting to see what that would look like. He has shareholders. I mean, he has a public company. Um, so that calculus, I just feel, becomes much stronger um, when you're when when it's like, well, it's too expensive. It's better business to settle. Um, but I think you're right. He's definitely taken the posture that um, he would take up that fight. So it would be interesting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Other also topics. Been thinking, well, I've been thinking more about these uh, Bitcoin ordinals and. I floated last night in the DMs this notion of is this massive incoming influx of JPEGs onto the Bitcoin network going to shoot up the gas costs to process transactions on Bitcoin? I've heard rumors and murmurs from the Bitcoin maxis that this is this new FOMO is, is clogging up the network. Is this going to be a tremendous windfall for the miners? And is that ultimately a good thing for the network? Possibly yes, because if it incentivizes the miners to do work and to make money, I guess they can continue to improve the network. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the intricacies of all of that or how it will happen or, or what the ratio of or the impact on the network is of these 
kind of marked Satoshis, but I think yeah. it's um, I think it's very very interesting. It's almost like early like rareable when everyone could mint their own nonsense and and it was disorganized and I don't know. It's it's very interesting. There's a couple of dynamics that are different than our ETH world and smart contracts that leave me question that that make the game confusing to me. Like you don't really have provenance of like who marked who created the thing. Um and I think that's super important for many NFT uses. So this is more historical and like almost just a fan of Bitcoin would be the market in my head. I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to figure this out. I don't, I don't know how the community use or the right of license or right of membership use of NFTs as we know them could take hold. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around because I know that putting NFT images on chain is expensive. And that's why there are very few projects that actually put the images on chain. So the question now is, if these are on-chain JPEGs, what is that doing to the capacity of the Bitcoin network? Can it absorb all these JPEGs? Because if everyone starts dropping photographs and GIFs and JPEGs onto these uh, onto these nodes and in these Satoshi increments that apparently don't support very big file space individually, what does that do to the overall network? Ira's coming up. Maybe Ira knows. What's up, Ira? Happy Friday. Fujio's coming in too. Ira, welcome. Yo. No rug You're for me today, Ira. You're super concerned with gas fees on, or transaction fees on Bitcoin. I'm not sure. Maybe it goes <clears throat> up. What do you say, Ira? Um, I'm multitasking these days, so I did read some nerd specifications for what Bitcoin's doing. Um, it It's very uh, blunderbuss. So it's both brilliant and also inefficient. I mean, I think it's using like four megabytes of space in an area that really wasn't designed for the thing it's supposed to be doing right now. So, you know, supply and demand, get it. Uh, rarity get it so cool hack to the bitcoin blockchain uh and as far as everything else is concerned it's much less graceful than smart contracts and ethereum and if folks want to do it is it sustainable well is it sustainable i don't know you know look i i want to look at that point because I definitely buy the idea, and I'm just saying this stuff. Folks may have already done the work in the last few days looking at this, but you know, it starts becoming harder and harder to be, you know, have a node. Um, the 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 size of the, the of the data file starts becoming enormous. I got to believe that's not going to be without consequences. And then you have stuff on there where it's like, this goes back to now, like 2010, when I was thinking this. But, you know, if people put up strict liability images on there. Now, I'm not talking about copyright infringement. I'm talking about child endangerment type of stuff. Now that's going to live on a blockchain. Sounds disgusting and offensive to me and, and, and really kind of a dumb risk. 
but if people could do it, I guess they could do it. But the entire chain will now be infected every time it propagates. So, um, you know, it's much more graceful, at least for now, to keep things in distributed storage. Um, but, you know, there are definitely, you know, projects and chains out there that store things on chain. And so this won't be the first time. And we haven't seen too much being made of that. But anyway, to me, it's like, fine, let the tech evolve. We'll see what happens. Uh, and then you're going to have really good uses and really bad uses. And we'll just we'll just see if the good outweighs the bad. That's like anything else. Um, yeah, I was nerding out on this last night because I was thinking about this. I was thinking about the amount of data that it's going to take to put these images on chain permanently, the amount of stress it's going to put on the network, and the amount of mining and computational power that yeah. it's going to take to support all this. You're limited to four megabytes right now. Um, and then you don't have any of the smart contract functionality that allows for, you know, the trustless type systems and, and things of that nature. I mean, you do have the encryption native to the Bitcoin blockchain. Technologically, um, I don't like it because it's not graceful. From a nerd perspective, I love it because you have folks who are ethically hacking and finding a way to do things. Um, so I love the innovation. And so that's my intellectually honest answer right now. But I do want to ask, uh, you know, discuss the staking thing. That, that's the room title right now. Um, and I don't know if anyone's discussed. Yeah. It. What do you have? What do you see on that? I'm very interested in your in your thoughts. Thanks for jumping in. All right. Let me give you my horror thought right now that I'm going to share with my bando nerds here in, in, in this space. And then I'm going to go research it. So I'm going to say something first, and then I want to research it afterwards. <laughs> so don't heckle me. <laughs> or you can heckle me all you want. Um, when I see staking being under attack, is there any kind of de facto safe harbor or any kind of messaging coming from the anti-staking government regulators that they're not talking about the staking that runs the entire Ethereum blockchain right now. You can't really, ha you can't really run a node unless you agree to stake. And that's a form of staking. You're vouching for the integrity of the transactions. You're getting a return. You're putting up a certain amount of crypto. And so they basically say in the entire Ethereum blockchain is at risk right now, or did they provide any messaging to the crypto community that they're not talking about that flavor of staking. Ouch. So you're suggesting proof of stake is potentially walking into a, a investment contract. I'm not saying that. I want to know whether there's but that's what we've been saying. Yeah. I, I, that's what I've been saying. There's been no messaging that I've found other than the particular enforcement action that we've seen has not dealt with, you know, you know, staking to support the network, but dealt with these intermediaries who offer a yield to loan your ETH to then stake. But go ahead. I mean, you know, that's so that's the thing. I mean, look, we really do have a lot of smart folks who are working, you know, with the regulators. It's not 2010. Um, you got a lot of really smart folks who are, especially the younger ones who are just graduating and stuff who who could certainly appreciate unintended consequences of a policy call. And I'm just hoping that they thought this through and that they, they don't chill 
a nascent and growing ecosystem by doing something in one area that can have unintended consequences in another. It's like making up a, a rule in an area where you could say, okay, I kind of see that, you know, you, you put some risky crypto in and now, you know, you, you, you get a dividend or a return on it. And, you, you know, if you think about it with blinders on, you could see a scenario where maybe some of those folks could be bad and you have to register. But which would then it, kill staking directly to the smart contracts. It, it, it's it's yeah, it's the same. It's policy making. So it's like in the U.S. E- either you make a nuanced policy that covers that very precise area, so you don't shill the entire market, or you wait until you can figure it out. It's the same thing with AI. It's like I think we discussed this in one of the rooms. You know, um, Getty Images suing the the you know the AI you know image generators. You know, it's that's if you just look at it only from their side, you could say, okay, you know, why not take a shot into the end zone, right? But then, what happens if the court creates a broad rule that would cover you can't you can't use articles for cancer research, uh, for cancer AI um, diagnosis and treatment, and it'd be like, oh my goodness, it would be like I, that's not what we intended. We only intended, you know, and so for me, it's like I almost don't mind that regular regulators take action but message it so we know that respectfully that you that you're acting in the mainstream and that you're representing society and that you're nuanced and that in some ways you're normal and you know and then you know give us that messaging and if you disagree just say why but don't just take an enforcement action that can then chill the really important stuff in crypto and stay nice and mum about it so that the economy starts to go into uh, – it has negative effects on the economy. So that's kind of my, my diatribe. Well, I can predict the response from on high. The response will be, well, just come in and register and let's talk. So the entire <laughs> Ethereum ecosystem has to register? <laughs> I know. Every it's madness. It, it's right madness. under your construct, every, every person who wants to stake. Well, not only that, but – but who do they kill it? You don't even know how you do disclosures and who's the other side of that in terms of like, with at least with an investment contract, you've got two parties. So here, it, you know, I just think it's bringing, they're probably well-intentioned, but because of the procedural ways they're doing things and their lack of messaging, they're not carrying out optimally their mandate to protect society. That's that's the best way to put it. I want to hear from Fujio, who came up to talk. Fujio's a regular listener, and um, that gives you a break to research at IRA. But Fujio, you came up during our conversation about uh, Bitcoin NFT, so I'm wondering if you have a comment on that. I'd love to hear from you. IRA, you bring up amazing points. I have a solution while we wait for Fujio to come up to talk. Uh, this yeah, could yeah. all be easily solved if everyone would just put their money in banks and use Western Union and wire transfers. And then problem solved. We don't have to worry about any of this. Yeah, I recovered most of it. Um, basically, I was just going to add that on a call last night, somebody was talking about how he went out and purchased a new hard drive to do to set up a new node to run like... Um, Currently, it's around 500 gigabytes. 
of total data on the chain. Um, sorry, it just came up like three flights of stairs. <laughs> um, so you can see how that would get out of hand quickly. Like, you know, with a hundred thousand or a million inscriptions, um, even at 30 or 40 kilobytes each, most, most are way below the limit of four megabytes. You know, that's like 10, 10, most around 50 kilobytes or less. So I think we could be at like, you could be maxing out a two terabyte hard drive in a matter of months or less. That's so, it. So, yeah. So I guess. So play that out. Yeah, exactly. What yeah, does that so you'd be limiting the, the number of potential node operators or increasing, more expensive requiring to them to increase their um, oh, sorry, go ahead. equipment. And if they increase their equipment, they got to increase their gas. They got to increase their feed process. So the data isn't tra isn't like transferred in every yeah. transaction. Um, the transaction fees would would be affected, you know, by a matter of increased volume. But it actually doesn't increase. Um, it might, you know, it's the generally cost of the equipment to run like, the node. Oh, oh, cost so, of each. oh, yeah. So the so, fees. So the are economy only... of the person running that small business. Yeah, the fees are only based on um um. Um, on ramping and off ramping on chain activity yeah exactly right so it's supporting the network that's going to get more expensive you know what's interesting here though um and it's kind of funny at the same time which makes what? btc go up but go ahead ira well go ahead go ahead fujio I, I didn't mean to interrupt. no you go ahead I'm, I'm good right now yeah go ahead because ray asked the most important question now uh, <laughs> does btc go up um is this... If it's more expensive to make more of it, that could have an upward pressure on the price, was my conclusion. But go ahead, Ira. Sorry. Is this a feature or a bug? And if it's a bug, then we shut down the bug, which would probably bring the price of whatever was already made to incredible levels. But to me... Um, there's an argument to be made that this is a bug and that if you want to go ahead and do stuff with Bitcoin, you know, start looking at things like lightning and whatever in terms of like that kind of technology um, and keep coin exactly what it was meant for. Um, and that is, you know, the, the storage and exchange of value done. Wow. So there's a rational argument to say if the use case isn't tip top, it hurts the whole ecosystem. Um, okay. I, I, I understand. I, I hear that. I hear that. What say you, Carlo? Well, this is an interesting conversation. It, it sort of reinforces what I was kicking around last night in my head that this is going to make it more expensive to support the network and it is but more not... attractive to i don't because know at, well as these operate who was the first one who was able to inscribe that first day folks who so had that, a node before that so, yeah yeah okay that those so the first in came out so the early so, adopters according <clears throat> according to iris theory the early adopters will have this provenance of this really, really esoteric, amazing hack that ultimately proves to be potentially unsustainable for the chain, 
but could be a huge financial windfall for the people who are able to to engrave or how, how do they call it? What do they call it when you when inscribe. you inscribe? Thank you. Inscribe. Yeah, let me yeah, inscribe this early it's, artwork. It's the weird the weird thing here is Bitcoin was all about aligning incentives. I mean, it really was. That's what makes it so beautiful. All right. Um, and here, what is disappointing to me is that there is an incentive for folks to use that four megabyte space to basically do what I'll call um, blockchain graffiti because it wasn't intended for that. And so now folks are finding value in that graffiti as artwork, as they should, because, you know, lots of graffiti is great artwork. But other folks are saying, yeah, but you're also kind of like making our community less optimal. Fascinating. And, 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 and I'm, you know, you could debate based on how you're wired, you'll be in one one uh, direction or the other. But I'm leaning towards thinking that the folks who built design Bitcoin did not intend for that four megabyte space to be exploited this way. Isn't that the question that communities always raise, you know, for proper graffiti as well, that some see art and some say, well, you're making our ecosystem here less optimal by scribbling on the side of the building yeah, exactly that's that's the metaphor so it's either you keep the subway trains running nice and clean or you tag them up with this extra art which takes and they away slow down and they slow <laughs> yeah. down a uh, but very but cool regular graffiti and i was born in new york so i grew up with a lot of graffiti um you know some of it is beautiful and it's protected under federal law. Some of it is disgusting and offensive and racist and paint over it or take it down. The problem with this development is that you can't take stuff down. Um, once it's in the blockchain, it's there forever. And so it's not exactly mapping well to graffiti, which you could paint over. And so my concern for it is that because this chain was made to be optimized for transfers of value in terms of Bitcoin and not for artwork that the bad may outweigh the good over the long haul. Now, and correct. Help me out. Help me out as a complete non-coder attorney trying to figure this out. What stops someone from putting that offensive stuff on chain on ETH? What's the distinction I'm missing here, Ira? Well, first of all, gas fees um, are suboptimal. They could, most folks, when they make NFTs, will use IPFS. Um, but, you know, AR Weave allows you to put things on chain. And so I started this off right. by, saying, by, by throwing my hands up in the air and by saying that this is not a new phenomenon. I mean, AR Weave was designed to put content on chain. Bitcoin, in my humble view, was not and its optimization its incentives um were all designed for just that token that's it um and so ethereum was designed for smart contracts and definitely contemplated non-fungible tokens um you know i looked at this back 
you know, back in um, 2013, 2014, uh, where where Kim was building um, Bitcash with um, CACHE, and this this design idea came up back then and it was rejected. And you can, I don't even know if it's on the internet these days, Bitcash, but you can try Googling it. it, it ultimately, he started developing K.IM, which was the earliest NFTs. And then, of course, Ethereum came along with their smart contracts. And now you have the more modern 721s. But this is not a new thing. Um, I, I remember getting on calls with um, John McAfee. He was also looking into it a long time ago. So this is not a new thing. Uh, it's just that people are starting to act on it right now. Interesting. We're trying to speculate how the uh, the infamous Satoshi would view this innovation. I haven't seen or I'm aware of Vitalik Buterin chiming in on how he views this. But there is someone who is a founder who could uh, have a position on this. And I'd be curious to know what his position would be on this innovation. Great discussion. Thanks, Ira. Thanks, Fugio. Yeah. Carlo, was Talk there another case that, or maybe we'll we'll hold for next week? I didn't realize the time. Um, I don't want to dive into a new topic, but that was fascinating. I I I, I agree. This can go a lot of different ways, but um, in both scenarios, Ira the early ones become pretty valuable as artifacts either way. If it blossoms, this new thing, if it blossoms, this new thing that kills the chain, if it's, if the, the community gets together and stops it and they pass, there was it a and, question. And um, we, Go ahead. I mean, I'm kind of going back to the Bitcoin conversation, if that's okay. About sure. um, oh. the child pornography issue and how, you know, all the data is locally stored on every node operators machine and some guy kind of asserted that intent really matters and that oh it's just not going to matter but i i think i disagree um yeah the implications for that i don't know but i firmly disagree uh like 90 percent leaning that way disagree yeah, I mean, that intent it, matters to the person it, who it has matter. a server it's, exactly it's, it's strict liability Precisely. um you know uh we dealt with this with uh the friend finder dating sites when people wanted to upload disgusting stuff and we had early AI looking that over and you have to report them and whatever. But, you know, the other thing I want to look at too, I will look at this, this it's important. Well, why can't, what are the implications of a near infinity amount of the four megabyte spaces being used? So somebody does kind of a denial of service attack. Obviously there's a cost to a Satoshi. But it seems like someone could just put up four megabytes, four megabytes, four megabytes, four megabytes of data. And is this really a vulnerability or a bug? Or the, or, or is there some kind of check and balance on what I'm saying so that it's not economically or technically viable? I'm thinking that it probably is viable. So that's another thing we got to look at is whether someone could do a kind of a de facto denial of service attack on the whole Bitcoin blockchain with this vulnerability. Wow. Yeah, that's an interesting concept, because if you throw enough 
if you throw enough gigabytes at it, could you crash it? Could you execute a a takeover, essentially shut it down? You know, it, it, it's, uh, it gets to the point where, where it, do the nodes become inefficient when you have too much data that they have to store and transmit? I guess this all largely boils down to whether this is going to be a a fad or this is going to be an innovation that has traction and that's going to catch momentum. We saw that on-chain monkeys just put all of their NFTs on uh, on Bitcoin's chain. If other projects decide to do this and we see a glut of, of NFT JPEGs getting on the Bitcoin uh, chain, could we see that traffic jam? The point that was just made about obscenity living on the server of the validator or the, the, the node operator um, seems to be an Achilles heel that I guess the, 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 the bit limit of the image may constrain that vulnerability, but that to me seems like an Achilles heel that could shut the whole thing down. Um, and then the, the, the other side of that is, well, they can't shut it down, et cetera, but we know that they have different ways to enforce. So I really do think that that's, that's something that needs to be addressed. I think that's a brilliant point. And there's also the notion that isn't there a very large pool of nodes who make up a lot of the decision-making on Bitcoin, and could they get together and decide the fate of this as well. In other words, if they decide this is too cost prohibitive, as Fujio was saying, potentially too much data, too cost prohibitive to support, could they have a say in this? Yeah, I think that's how it works. I think I think they can patch things, change things if if a consensus is made, but I, I'm not in that world. I, I, I know they have very specific, and as Ira spoke about, a, a beautiful system that aligns incentives in a, in a way that kind of creates an ecosystem. So I guess the big ultimate takeaway from this is that just like every other component of this decentralized world, the marketplace will, will determine, uh, the community will determine how this is executed and where it ends up. But very cool conversation. I mean, we covered some very interesting theoretical ground here today, Jenko. As always, people are sleeping on Lex line. We have the very big brain conversations here. Thanks to the guests and listeners we're able to bring up. We're very lucky to be able to sit here and do this and learn from these people, Jenko. It's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone who joins, I really, really, really appreciate it. It's really a, a highlight of the day to just kind of hang and talk to really smart folks about weird issues and ask questions and, and dream about, you know, what if, and then kind of go off and do our own kind of research. We share resources and folks kind of send me links to things and save me the time of pulling it up on Pacer and stuff. It's just really, really cool what we have set up. So thank you, all you lovable nerds. And I hope you have a wonderful weekend. And we'll be back at it. Oh, it's Janko Pizza Night. Okay, so you, you can make your own dough, sauce. obviously, right? It's my own dough, own sauce. I mean, if I had a cow, I'd make the cheese. <laughs> <laughs>
Perfect. You got a wood oven. Where do you where do you bake off the pizza? I wish at the next house we'll have something fancy like that. Your 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 normal old oven, but if you if you do it right, it it tastes like a brick oven. You know this. Yeah, you gotta. You know, I, I found with the with the electric oven. I guess we'll close out with a cooking lesson. I found with the electric oven, you gotta go super high temp, and that gets that bottom. If you put a stone down, that gets that bottom crust. But then I've had to go to broiler to get the top finished because I can't get that even cook. Is that your hack? Uh, similar. I really pre-bake the thing. I put it on and get that super hot. Yep. I you do the sauce thin. first with the dough? I go thin sauce first, then the cheese on top. And I, I, don't, I don't broil it until the second time I eat it if there's leftovers. That's how I'll reheat it. That's the pizza alpha for today, people. Thanks, Great everyone. combo. Take care, Carlos. All right. Happy Friday, everyone. Peace. Thank you all for joining us as always.